On Raising Rare, we are bringing you the stories of parents learning how to raise a child with a rare disease. Our co-hosts, Sanath Kumar Ramesh and Brittany Ratke, parents of rare disease kiddos who have very different situations. Sanath's son Raghav has an ultra-rare disorder known as Setagatian-type spondial metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. Brittany's daughter Everly has been diagnosed with SET-D5, a mutation that carries with it the potential for a range of complications and even other diagnoses. My name is Kevin Fryert. After 30 years doing research and development at Pfizer, I started Salem Oaks to help patients and caregivers understand the world of biopharmaceutical R&D. Our goal on Raising Rare is to help and lift up our listeners by sharing the unfolding stories of these two families. We also feature the stories of other rare disease families, clinicians, researchers, and industry leaders in the rare disease community. If you'd like to follow these parent stories, please subscribe to Raising Rare on your favorite podcast platform. Today we are doing a follow-up discussion with Dylan Loomis-Head. You may recall from Season 4, Episode 7, that Dylan has Friedrich's ataxia. We wanted to catch up with Dylan and see what happened has happened since May. So how are you doing today, Dylan? Uh, I'm good. Um, today's a new day. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. So when we last spoke, you we were discussing the pe- potential for you to start treatment on the new drug Skyclaris, or maybe continuing some of the clinical trials that you were looking at. Can you give us an update on on what you did and what you decided, or where you are in the process? Um. Yeah. Totally. It's been a roller coaster ride. Um. Things unfortunately didn't work out with the trial that I screened for out in California. Um, a lot of miscommunication between the drug company, the Research Alliance, Farah, and kind of the host of the trial, the ones that were running at the lab that was doing it. Um, when, so that was for that drug trial, and it's been a while since we last talked, and I apologize if I'm all over the place, but things with Sky Claris have been very interesting um, as well. There's apparently kind of been a holdup for patients in New York State with the medicine. Um, and there's a couple of reasons, and I'm not trying to blame anyone, but it's just. A lot of red tape 
and a lot of frustrated patients and parents and and even staff at Farah and at Chop. So. So you said it's a problem in New York State to get the medicine. Yeah. Is it just New York State or is it elsewhere too? No, I. So, if I confusing or mixing information, there's just been a lot with it going on. So the medicine was supposed to be coming out in June. Was the original plan, and there was apparently a hiccup at the manufacturing, and so that had to halt manufacturing and they had to get the FDA in to approve the changes or whatever and so the FDA came in we didn't know how long it was going to take and I say we I'm talking Farah and the community and it was a lot quicker than anyone kind of expected and so without any like news or anything uh Riata the drug company kind of just started releasing the medication as of July 1st and everyone was kind of like oh (laughs) okay cool and so I have kind of been waiting since the beginning of July. Granted, it's almost September already, but it's just been kind of this back and forth cat and mouse game, and it's kind of frustrating because I know the medicine's available, but I can't get it. And from all the investigation that I've been doing, that my mom's been doing, uh, we kind of have discovered that, I don't know when it happened, but apparently all 50 states now have feel entitled to, I should say, that they should have their own versions of the FDA in states. So there's the federal department or the FDA, which covers all 50 states, but then apparently the 50 states feel entitled to run their own investigations and go from there. And so it's been a lot of frustration. That doesn't sound familiar for New York for me. Um, I know some of the the southern states have tried to um, do that. Um, California has tried to do that. But I'm guessing that really where it's tied up is when you get into your Medicaid payments, my guess is that it's getting tied up in in negotiations and and 
and decisions being made around Medicaid availability and access and reimbursement. And that's where the states do have uh, the power to to make their decisions. They're going to be footing some of the bills, so they can do that. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating. There's a lot of back and forth. This person's being told this thing. This person's being told that thing. It's just, it's very confusing, and it's overwhelming, (laughs) to say the least. Um, You're living... You're living the reality of there's always one more step. There's always one more step. And you've been doing that for a decade now, more than a decade. I've been dealing with this year, the closer we get to October, hard. Um, Because I didn't even fathom or imagine, like, ever having to deal with this as an issue, meaning my diagnosis. And it's been probably one of the hardest, not even adjustments, it's one of the harshest realities that I've had to kind of without hesitation, I had to adjust to it. I had to accept it and go from there. And I'm realizing the more and more how kind of inacceptable or unaccessible, I guess is the right word, the kind of the world is and the country is for people with disabilities. And I think they're kind of put on the back burner because people don't really want to deal with it. There's so much other stuff going on and that's taking a higher president. And I just wish the field was equally leveled out for everyone. And everyone was given a fair and good chance. That's a really good point, that the system just isn't built for disabilities. Um, sure, we have, we have laws that are, that are meant to make that better, um, but they only go so far. And then for rare diseases, it's even more sort of, it's, it's not built for what rare disease needs. And in this case, you know, think of... I'm just going to like replay what I know of your story. About 10 years ago, you were diagnosed at that time. They said, but there's no real treatment for it. Now, 10 years later, there's a treatment for it. Oh, but you can't get it yet. <laughs> Which is the worst the worst situation to be in? It's like, wait, there's just what I need right over there. And, and I can't get it? Why? Yeah, and it it's definitely playing its game with me. Um, there's 
more to the story that I don't want, want to make it all about me or anything like that, but it's just, there's been a harsh wake-up call that I was dreading that would never come true or happen, and it happened, and there are part, there's part of my family that kind of does not want to help and does not want to anything to do with me or the disease and anything, and that's been really hard for me, and it just happened within the past week, and where I found this out, and so Monday, I had a really bad mental kind of breakdown, and I had some really awful thoughts because I just, I was hurt and heartbroken, but yet not surprised, but it was like the initial, like, the, the initial just, I don't even know how to describe it. it. It just was not what I was expecting to get at this point of where I was at. And so it just... It devastated me in a way that I, I didn't know would be possible at this point in my diagnosis journey. And I know everyone's got their own stories and their own experiences with everything, and I'm not taking away from anyone's experience or how it's been for them, but I, I just still can't believe that blood isn't thicker than water, <laughs> I guess. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes family is the hardest to deal with because there's expectations all around, right? And, and... We can't see each other's expectations. We can't see each other's thoughts. And when they come out, sometimes they can they can hurt. So that I'm really sorry to hear that. You know, you, you just had to go through that this week, along with all these, you know, surprises, struggles with the the getting some treatment. Um, it's just something else that weighs on. Yes, you, right? and. I'm at the point where enough's enough. I'm at my absolute capacity and anything further. I'm like, I, 
I really don't have time for this. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to worry about this. I don't want to deal with it. And then, then you deal with it, everything outside of your own life. What's going on in the country and what's going on in the world. And you just reach a point where you're like, no, wipe my hands. I, I, done. And so, I I took it upon myself, and I'm like, nope, logging out of social media, we're done for a while. Like, <laughs> it just, yeah, I, I gotta do what's best for me at this point. I've had several conversations just in the last week or so about the the impact of social media, the negative impact of social media, just on our well-being. It's great that we can communicate. It's great that we can stay in contact with people. It's great that you can go and, and find people's thoughts and things. But there's this whole negative side, which isn't even the content. It's the constant barrage of more information. The, the, the addiction to algorithms that that just starts to drive you nuts in in trying to keep up with things you can't keep up with. And then you say, wait, what's wrong? All these other people are having this great time. And it's like, no, you're seeing a very polished version of them. Um, and you're getting too much at once. You know, it's, it's there, our, our brains are only built for maintaining somewhere around 150 relationships. And social media just blows that out of the water, you know. When you've got thousands of, thousands of quote-unquote relationships. I know you you have a big fundraising event coming up, uh, the Ride a Taxi event. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I'm actually very excited about this. Uh, so Ride a Taxi is... What or I should say, Red Taxia was founded by Kyle Bryant, who has FA. Hey Kyle, giving you a shout out. <laughs> uh he Kyle's very Yeah. He he's very active with the FA community. He's done a lot of fundraisers and raising money and awareness and bike rides. Well, which brings me to my point, what Ride at Taxia is, is it's a bike charity event, I guess, where people ride. You can ride from four miles to 50 miles, and people raise money for FARA, for research, for awareness and kind of just help out by putting out the message of hey this is the disease I have this is what I'm participating in and if you could don't feel inclined but if you could feel the need to help donate and help raise funds for research that'd be great and so this event is at the beginning of October down in Philly, and 
it's a great event. We fundraise, we hang out with each other, we have lunch from Outback Steakhouse. Like, it, it, it's, it's a good time. <laughs> and so you have a team, right? What's your team name? Uh, yep. So, as of right now, it's mainly just me and my mom, but my team is called Dylan's Defenders. It's <laughs> changed over the course of the past decade because I, when I was originally diagnosed, it was called Team Dylan, and then I found out like a year or two after kind of no I I misspoke I found out like six months after I was diagnosed that I had a d distant cousin on my birth father's side who also had FA and he sadly had passed and I didn't really know this individual, but I felt inclined to kind of turn Team Dylan into Team Head because I felt kind of, hey, look, I, I didn't know my cousin, but I've gotten to know his family over the years, and they're wonderful people. And they've helped support me through my journey. Our cases are a little different because he, my cousin was diagnosed with um, spine, spina bifida. Yeah, I believe that's how you say it. When he was born. And so a bunch of doctors diagnosed him over the years and he himself, when he, he discovered that he was wrongly diagnosed years prior and was the one that got him clinically diagnosed with FA. And it, I, I, I hope he's looking down in a way that I make him proud to speak about F.A. the way I do and bring awareness the way I do because it is hard being the only family member with this disease. Granted, there's other people with the disease that have siblings with it or they have other relatives with it and but I'm at the point where I'm the only one in my family with this disease and when I try to describe things to everyone everyone's a little shocked and taken back because they're like what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, I'm telling you what I'm talking about, but it doesn't click to people because it's not that common. And, and that's what's hard about rare diseases. So 
our listeners like to support causes for each other. Um, where can people find out, or where can they go to make a donation? So people, the easiest way, because I don't know the link off the top of my head, is people can go to the Ride a Taxio website, and they can search like either Dylan Loomis Head or Dylan's Defenders on the website. And they can donate there via the website and they can even keep it anonymous. Like, and that's really cool too about the website is you can say how much you donated. You can write a message. You can just keep it anonymous. You don't have to post how much money is donated. And so the, the website's really nice. And they, they can even join your team, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, you know, because we were on your team a couple of years ago. I was. Um, I don't know if I can even do four miles on my bike this year because I had surgery earlier. But the um, we're, I'm hoping to be down there and uh, support it again. It's a great weekend that the Friedrichs Taxia Research Alliance puts on. There's a symposium that's held um, in conjunction with it and in conjunction with Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, CHOP. And you've got Ride Ataxia, and you've got all these cool FA people tooling around. Yes, it it's definitely very needed for me personally right now. I uh, I really need my community. I need to see and hug people that I haven't seen in a almost a year practically and granted we see each other on social media but it's not the same well i want to thank you for sharing that and sharing your story and it sounds like we're going to have to have another dylan loomis head follow-up episode sometime maybe we'll talk to you later this year and it'll be in our our fifth season um, when it gets published but when you find out you know when the Sky Claris is available, and if you're you're going for it, um, I'd love to hear hear what happens. Me too. I'm I I'm really hoping that something happens soon. <laughs> we'll just say that. Fantastic. Raising Rare is produced by Salem Oaks, empowering patients and caregivers to shape the future of medicine. CureGPX4.org is dedicated to finding a cure for SSMD. You can donate to CureGPX4.org on the Raising Rare podcast page or at CureGPX4.org. The SETD5 community is currently getting organized. We will let you know where you can donate soon. You can continue to follow Raghav and Everly stories next time on Raising Rare. <laughs>